Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 25. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In today's episode, we'll be discussing electronic flight bags. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. If you haven't done so already, please consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, record, edit, and produce. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and considered donating to the show. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. And now to today's main topic, electronic flight bags. The term electronic flight bag covers any portable electronic display, hardware intended primarily for flight deck or cabin use. Some national aviation authorities now simplify their definition of electronic flight bag as any device or combination of devices actively displaying EFB applications. Electronic flight bag devices can store and display a variety of aviation data or perform basic calculations for aircraft performance or fuel loading purposes. In the past, many of these functions were traditionally accomplished by using paper references carried on board the aircraft or were based on data provided to the flight crew in various ways operators flight dispatch organization. The goal is for a fully configured EFB system to be able to facilitate a paperless flight deck. The scope of the EFB system functionally may also include various other hosted databases and applications. In the airlines, devices which function as an EFB may be referred to as an auxiliary performance computer or an APC, or as a laptop auxiliary performance computer, an LAPC. However, in the general aviation community, many pilots typically use an iPad equipped with ForeFlight, Jeppesen, or Garmin. Especially with newer versions of the G1000, G750, and various other Garmin products, as well as a variety of GPSs made by a variety of producers, there is a seamless flow of information between the iPad and the GPS unit. Although oftentimes the EFB seems like standalone pieces of hardware, it functions rather as a larger system, in which the effectiveness of the hardware function is assured by its place in that system. There are a variety of different classes of EFBs as well. However, in general aviation, electronic flight bags don't need the same regulation and approval as is needed in the airline sector. Now what does an electronic flight bag all offer? There are a variety of resources provided to pilots from an electronic flight bag, many of which vary across brands, but many of which are staples between each brand. Most EFB apps, which can be downloaded for your tablet or phone, as well as accessed on the internet, have features such as flight planning, flight plan filing, graphical briefings, aviation weather, VFR and IFR charts, navigation, terrain, and obstacle data, airport and FBO information, aircraft weight and balance, a pilot logbook, a checklist, access to your nav logs, approach plates, and a variety of different features. With many apps offering the same things, it can often be difficult to decide which EFB you would like to use. 
Although the rules change for Part 135, or commercial operations, in Part 91 operations, the criteria for electronic flight bags is slightly different. There are four main areas to look at when choosing your electronic flight bag, including legality, usability, complexity, and cost. Oftentimes you want to look at your EFBs and choose what kind of EFB you want. Sometimes pilots want an EFB that does everything for them. However, some pilots rely on electronic flight bags just to help them organize charts and various other things. So, as a starting point, we need to answer the following questions. What do you already have in the cockpit? What do you want from your EFB? And what is your budget? For a typical IFR aircraft, it probably contains a panel-mounted GPS such as the GPS 430, 480, 530, the KLN-90, or the KLN-94. However, some pilots do have the G750 or the G1000. A portable GPS will not suffice for instrument flight. As well as the GPS, most aircraft are also equipped with two nav radios. Although you may have your approach plates on your EFB and the equipment to perform the approach, is just having an EFB enough to meet the legal requirements? The FAA provides a long-winded explanation as to whether an EFB is acceptable. This next section is going to dive into legality of EFBs as provided by advisory circulars produced by the FAA. The ramifications of a non-legal solution is pretty simple. A fine during a ram check or an insurance company not paying out for an accident or incident. The FAA defines that a Part 91 operator can use a Class 1 EFB or a COTS computer. In Advisory Circular 91-78, it states that, quote, EFBs slash ECDs can be used during all phases of flight operations in lieu of paper reference material. FAA Advisory Circular 91.21.1b informs the reader that we can replace our paper with an EFB if we check the device and ensure that it does not interfere with existing equipment. We need to tell the FAA inspector how we did it if asked. Next, we must choose our features. This is the hardest decision to make because we want all of everything. A feature-rich system sounds good on the ground, but usually has its disadvantages of being slow and complex. A system with few features has the disadvantage of requiring more things in the panel scan to render situational awareness. So balancing this is key to a successful purchase. Too simple or too complex and it just simply sits on the shelf. Like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, it must be just right. Make a list of things you must have and would like to have and compare it between different apps. Oftentimes apps will offer a free trial period once you download them. This way you can try out their features and see if the electronic flight bag is right for you. While the apps make the features, your flying habits will also affect what device you are going to use. For instance, what is your longest flight? If it is two hours, you typically will not have to recharge any of the flight devices that you use. However, if you go on long cross-country flights, you may want to choose a tablet or a phone that has a longer battery life. If that's not accessible, is your airplane equipped with a charging port so that you can charge your electronic flight bag device? Make sure that you are comfortable using your electronic flight bag before you begin flying. Of all the tools offered by an electronic flight bag, many pilots will typically just use approach plates, airport diagrams, and other digital documentation. For Part 91 operators, authorization is not required to utilize an iPad in this capacity. 
If an operator plans to install a mounting device or power source, requirements can be found in Advisory Circular 120-76D. The information found in Advisory Circular 120-76D is directed toward certificated air carriers and fractional providers. But Part 91 operators should, as a best practice, refer to the guidance on developing EFB training programs and making them transition to a paperless cockpit. The pilot in command is ultimately responsible for ensuring that the proper aeronautical charts are available for the flight, so it is important to document and validate the reliability of an iPad during the transition. During this initial transition period, the crew should carry paper backup materials. Part 91F operators are required to comply with Air Circular 91-78, use of Class 1 or Class 2 electronic flight bag, but do not need written approval. They should also validate compliance with FAR 91.503, flying equipment and operating information for large turbine-powered aircraft, and FAR 91.21, portable electronic devices, when using an iPad. Part 91F operators must also have a secondary system in place to augment their primary iPad. The secondary system can simply be a backup iPad or alternate EFB. Before using an EFB, when operating under Part 91K, 125, or 135, authorization must be received from the principal inspector. The procedures for obtaining this approval are contained in FAA Order 8900.1 and Advisory Circular 120-76D. During the approval process, the operator will need to develop training programs and operational procedures to utilize the EFB in compliance with FAA guidance. Now I have been mentioning a lot Advisory Circular 120-76D, and you may be wondering what does Advisory Circular 120-76D talk about? A riveting subject, I know. Advisory Circular 120-76D looks at classifications described by the FAA to help operators determine what type of approval is necessary for use of an EFB. The Type A software applications. This is the least complex software providing electronic documentation such as flight manuals but no navigational charts. For operation with a Type A software application, you must have a failure condition classification considered to be no safety effect. You cannot substitute for or replace any paper system or equipment required by airworthiness or operational regulations. But it does not require any specific authorization for use. A full list of Type A applications can be found in Appendix A of Advisory Circular 120-76D. It also talks about Type B software applications. Type B software applications provides all Type A information, but also can display approach charts, calculate weight and balance, and deliver weather information. A Type B software application may substitute or replace paper products of information required for dispatch or to be carried in the aircraft. However, it may not substitute or replace any installed equipment required by airworthiness or operating regulations. It requires specific authorization for operation. And a full list of Type B applications can be found in Appendix B of Advisory Circular 120-76D. Finally, there is Type C software. This provides all Type A and Type B information and can display own ship position on approach and airport charts. Own ship position is when an operator may overlie their own ship's position on an EFB 
only when the installed primary flight display, weather display, or map display also depict their own ship position. To use this function, operators must ensure flight crews know to reference the installed primary flight and navigational displays for maneuvering, and be able to resolve differences between the installed equipment and the EFB. The operator must show that the device has been through rapid decompression testing and non-interference testing in accordance with the advisory circular. Apple has conducted the non-interference test and Jeppesen has conducted the rapid decompression test. Both organizations have made their compliance statement available to the public. A link to these compliance statements can be found in the show notes. So whether you choose Garmin, Jeppesen, or ForeFlight, the electronic flight bag is an easy way to declutter the cockpit. Spend time at home and on the ground discovering how to use your electronic flight bag app before you bring it into the airplane with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, or comment. Also, if you know someone else who you think might enjoy the show, send this podcast to them. A link to all the resources used in today's show can be found in the show notes. To access the show notes, simply click on the player image in whatever podcast listening app you are using. Again, please consider donating to my Patreon. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, and let's make the skies a safer place. Mm-hmm.